ओम ज्ञान without it being explained no one can understand properly so guidance is definitely required but proper guidance is required you see even among the rhythmic bodies they all have different opinions every one of them so it's so much required to have bodies who are properly understanding properly teaching according to what prophet has given us which means what Krishna is giving us through the whole Acharya Parampara system. Because there are so many misconceptions previous to coming to Krishna consciousness. And then if we get the, uh, we may get so many misconceptions even after coming to Krishna consciousness due to associating with others who are propagating misconceptions in the name of Krishna consciousness. Or due to misconceptions that we also cook up in our own minds. So we should follow the Parampara system to understand all these different things. Otherwise, Maya has, Maya is very, very patient. She has, she doesn't give up very easily. She has so many different wonder, she, and she's very creative also because she's Trishti Stiti. She's also, and all the, the creative potency is also within her. So, she can give us new different wrong ideas. We can make them up There are always different new ideas. Of course, there are all different combinations and permutations of different bogus ideas that have been propagated in the past. But uh, she's very expert in giving so many different wrong ideas. So we should stick to the right ideas. Actually, it's not very difficult to understand, but we can get confused if we don't stick to the proper path. Of the Yogeshwaras. The Yogeshwara means not the Rasamuni, but Narad Muni. The real Yogi. The real Yogeshwara is Krishna. Yatra Yogeshwara Krishna. Yatra Partha Dhanadara. Tatra Shriya Vijaya Bhutya Dhruva Nitya Matya. Where there is Krishna and his devotee, then there must be opulence, morality, victory. So Krishna is the actual Yogeshwara and he is the controller of everything. And others can become subordinately powerful under his direction. Devotee becomes powerful. If he sticks to the path given by Krishna, Krishna infuses him with energy. Kali Kale Yuga Dharma Nama Sankirtan Krishna Shakti Vinanahita Brahmatan. In this age of Kali, the process religious process for the ages, chanting the names of Krishna, but without being infused with the energy of Krishna, the special mercy of Krishna, no one can preach them. So if one sticks to the path given by the Acharyas, 
one becomes powerful to influence others and change others' lives to Krishna consciousness. But we should understand where that power is coming from. It's coming from Krishna. So if we we may be serving Krishna nicely and preaching Krishna consciousness nicely, but then if if we change our tune, if we change what we're speaking, then we lose everything. And again, because there's examples in our movement of devotees who were being blessed by Krishna and very powerful and getting so many things done in Krishna's service, but then they changed and then they lost. They, they had a different idea and they lost. Pathetic, just another dancing dog in the hands of Maya. That's all. So we always have to remember that whatever we have in Krishna consciousness is only by the mercy of Krishna and his internal potency. Hare Krishna. Hey Radhe, hey Krishna, please engage me in your service. We are always subordinate. If we have any independence or power, it's only that which Krishna has given us. So remembering this, one can happily go forward in Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this? Independence of? Of the conditioned soul. Conditions. Yeah, he had the independence of the conditioned soul. Is his, he has some independence. In the human form of life, you can choose which way to go. Because Guna Gita says this. Prakrite Kriyam. Bhagavad Gita. Prakrite Kriyamanani. Gunai Karmani Sarvashahankarani. That one is controlled by the modes. Well, the Acharyas have all explained that this, it doesn't mean that one's totally controlled. Otherwise, there'd be, then what are you speaking Bhagavad Gita for? To, to convince Arjuna to act in a certain way. So this means that one is certainly very much influenced by the modes. But he has some choice also. And actually, if one is in the lower modes, especially, then his power of discrimination is very, and his knowledge is very little. Especially if one's in the mode of ignorance. But as one comes to the mode of goodness, then satvat sanjayate jnana. In the mode of goodness, knowledge develops. And then from the platform of knowledge, one can discriminate properly. But if there's no discrimination and no choice, and that we're totally controlled by the modes, then, then there's no meaning to preaching Bhagavad Gita anyway. Because then there's no meaning to Krishna's statement. Act as you wish. Krishna says, you considering everything that I've said, then you act as you wish. In other words, he, he didn't tell Arjuna, that, well, you just do what you like. He explained the whole Bhagavad Gita. And some people say, well, Krishna told Arjuna, you do what you like. But he explained the whole Bhagavad Gita to him and said, based on what, based on this knowledge, you decide what to do. And he said, and if you follow me, then you'll be successful. If you don't, you'll be destroyed. I'm just letting you know. Still, you have the choice. You can choose this way or that. 
So obviously, you know, anyone with any proper discrimination, if they're told if you do this, you'll get an auspicious result, and if you do something else, you get an inauspicious result, then naturally they'll choose the good thing. Your question? That's a very bad example. <laughs> he said the, the, he's saying the Madhvas are saying that the, the Lord doesn't give independence to the jiva, just like a good father doesn't give independence to the child. But he does. He gives limited independence. If he doesn't give independence, that means that uh, he has to tell him every time, now put your hand down, move it a little bit forward, okay, down a little bit, okay, now move it around the rice, move it up a little bit, in a little bit. Sorry. There's no independence, then he has, he has to control every... He has to tell him to do every single thing. Don't blink. Now blink. But inspire, that's different to control. That means, you again, the choice comes. Their philosophy is very strange. In so many ways. And it doesn't... You see, one of the main um, one of the main arguments we have against Mayavad is that it doesn't tally with reality. It's, everything is not one. If I'm hungry, if I tell you I'm hungry, please give me something to eat, and you say okay, and you eat, then I don't become satisfied. I'm still hungry because, according to their philosophy, I am you and you are me. But if I'm hungry and you eat, I don't become satisfied. I remain hungry. So their philosophy that all is one doesn't tally with observed reality. So similarly, they, their philosophy appears to suffer from the same fault. Yeah, that means he's a rascal, according to their philosophy. Except him as all good. That's like saying, you know, that's like in Russia under Stalin, everyone had to praise him. If you didn't, you'd get shot. And maybe even if you did, you'd get shot. Because he wasn't good. But you have to say he's good. But God's not like Stalin. And then that means that they have their concept of God is like Stalin. That's why I gave up Christianity at the age of about 10 or 11. I was thinking that they're saying God is good, but then they say, if you don't believe in Jesus, you burn in hell forever. I think, I'd rather go to hell than live with that guy. Better go to hell. (laughs) Better go to hell. And even my father, he's, you know, he's not God. If I do something wrong, he punishes me, then he gives me another chance. But this idea, you burn in hell forever. What kind of a God is that? I became an atheist thanks to being brought up as a Christian. That was the result of my Christianity. How can, if this is God, then how you... And even you see, like, Nietzsche, he's a very intelligent person. And he, he is a complete atheist, because the only concept of God he had was that given by the Christian, Christian world. And he intelligently rejected it. And he's, he was satirical about it. Of course, he was a rascal also. But, uh, but they don't give you any choice. They don't give you any choice but to be a rascal. If this is what is God, then why should you believe in that? 
some nasty old guy whose main business is punishing people. It's horrible. Right? We're suffering because God made us suffer. He's good. And it's, it's just like starting. Yeah. Uh, it appears to be so, yeah. There is some discussion about that actually. That there, are, there are different Buddhas. But according to the, what Prabhupada taught, it's the same. That they, that they ascribe themselves to be followers of. Well, actually, following who's following? Buddhist, most of the Buddhists in the world are all meat eaters. And he taught the Hingsa Paramadharma. Ninjasi Yagya Vidher Aha Shruti Jatam Sadaya Hridaya Darshita Pashukhatam Keshava Drita Buddha Sharira Jai Jagadishara. Lord Buddha came specifically to stop the animal sacrifices, being kind to the animals. But you'll find in the West the Buddhists are mostly vegetarians. But in the few who are in India and in Japan, China, all these places, they're all meat eaters. There are few who are vegetarians. In Singapore, there's one or two. I think there's one vegetarian restaurant, is it? I should know. One Chinese vegetarian restaurant. For all the Buddhists in Singapore. They're all meat eaters. Thailand, 60, maybe it's 70 million people. All meat eaters, all Buddhists. No, it says there's another Buddha in a different age who uh, who came to deceive the atheists who were trying to go into space with space machines. So that was another Buddha. But this Buddha that we're talking about, Das Avatar, means this Shakya Singh or Gautam Buddha. Although some people in our Gorya Sampada say that actually Gautam Buddha and Shakya Singh were different people. At least in his writings, Prabhupada, if, if they were two, he's merged them into one. Just like the, in the Bhagavatam, the two Varaha avatars, they're described, their two appearances are merged into one. Shaktyaveshata, he's not he's not directly Vishnu, that's understood. He's not directly Vishnu. In the Dasavata he's not directly Vishnu, Parasharam is also. Although in one place Prabhupada says he's Vishnu But generally it's understood he's a Shaktyavesha. He's not he's a living being empowered by Vishnu to perform extraordinary activities. I was saying Shakya Singh, not Shakya Avesh. Shakya Singh means the name of that person who was born in, well, some people say he was born in Sri Lanka, and some people say he was born in Nepal, some people say he was born in Bihar. Some have different opinions where he was born. I guess there's a birthplace of him in Japan also. Thank you. 
I just say what Prabhupada said. It's, you know, it's good enough for Prabhupada's preaching. It's good enough for me. And due to misuse, we, we have to, if there's a question of love of God, then there must be independence because by force there's no love. So independence means that there's the, also the possibility to misuse it. And that some have misused it is, the evidence is, here we are today. I heard that from Sajaraj, East and West Dalek. Yeah. He gave an example like a, serving the Lord, but in different secondary service, like Ishwaras and Brahma. Well, Prabhupada writes that, that when a soul falls from the spiritual world, he first takes up the position of Brahma. So you think he liked to serve Krishna again, but uh, in a different way. But, yeah, but uh, it's considered a fall, right? Like it's not and so for that position, not yeah. That may be, yeah, it may be one way of seeing it. Then again, someplace it's stated that Brahma at the time of when at the end of his life he goes back to Godhead. But then not every Brahma does that. Because there are some Brahmas who are at Bhakti Nautako sings, Bahyamok Brahma Janme Nahi There are some Brahmas who are also they're inimical to the Lord. To some extent. Otherwise how could they come down from the speech? Prabhupada says they, they take birth as Brahma and then they Degenerate to the status of a worm in stool gradually. So they can't be totally inimical to the Lord, but there must be that, that seed is that just like Prabhupada explained, there are different Brahmas and some of them they don't get liberation because even though they're serving the Lord, they have that mood, but they have the they still have the false ego of considering themselves independent controllers. So from that degradation comes. That's the material consciousness. I didn't, I haven't seen that. So I can't say. These are the kind of things that we need to, you know, we should probably look through the different Acharya's commentaries. We can investigate it more. So, somewhat complex subject, but the basic principle we can understand: that we're in this material world because of envy of Krishna. That's the basic principle. Brahma may be a very exalted position in this material world. It's not. It's not the constitutional position of the living entity to be a, even a great demigod. It's a contaminated position. Relative to the spiritual world, it's a contaminated condition. I wish I felt that you may eat Nora and Puri every day, but 
they do desire something very simple to eat. Because of their space, also can change well in the in the material world one becomes whatever enjoyment is there you become disgusted with it after some time but in the spiritual world it's anandambuti vardhanam it doesn't create disgust there are, there are varieties of enjoyment but it's not that one becomes tired it's not that the gopis say you know not forget Krishna let's find someone else they don't feel like this because it's always it's always the pleasure is always increasing. Madhya Shoda never becomes tired of feeding Krishna. How that means that uh, well this the possibility is is there because we have minute independence that. That means there is the possibility of, uh, because we are, we are very tiny living beings, and uh, we have the possibility to choose wrongly also. Whereas there are great devotees like Madhya Yashoda, they're never going to, she's never going to fall down. The, the regular, the jivas, well, there are gradations among devotees in the spiritual world, and there are those who we could say that implicit in the consciousness of the, of the mental makeup of the jiva in the spiritual world is, is, the, is the possibility to be envious of Krishna is there is there in his mental makeup you speak about that gradation that means that some jivas are created like that like not exactly created, but some, yeah, there, there are different levels of devotion to Krishna. And some, like, like uh, Mother Yashoda and all the other gopis, there's no question of them ever falling down. Although some may appear to undergo, they, even some great devotees may apparently for some time undergo material consciousness, like Narad Muni, Kemupa Barhana became the, the demigod and then he became a shudra and then again he became Narad Muni like that it said Prahlad Maharaj in his previous life was a sinful person although actually he's Nitya Siddha but for a short time they appeared to to uh, be in material consciousness what to speak even uh, six Goswamis Rupa and Sanatana they were apparently living a life of associated with Muslims. Yeah, we say Shakti Tata, which is actually all the, everything is Shakti. Bahiranga Shakti, Antaranga Shakti, and the Jivas, they're known as Tatashta Shakti, because they're, they are, uh, they're actually by nature part of the Antaranga Shakti, but they can come under the influence of the Bahiranga Shakti. But the difference, when we say Shakti Tattva, that means 
they are in the Antaranga Shakti and they are not subject to come under the influence of the Bahiranga Shakti. So it's, it's not that they are uh, We could say in one sense like the Shakti Tattva, that's the same as the Jiva Tattva. Same. But in the sense here, yeah, they're, they're not Vishnu, they're not all powerful. They're part and part, they're, they're Mamai Vangsha Jiva Loki, they're part and parcel of Krishna. But they're on such a level that they're fully. Again, you could say they have the choice, but then there's some. You could say that theoretically they have the choice to reject Krishna, but then they're. Their bhakti is so strong that they have no, there's no question of, of ever going Which? No, Jiva Tapa means they always have the possibility. Yeah. yeah. All Jivas fell. I, I, I never heard such a thing. It said that only a small number, even though it's an unlimited number, apparently, but it's, but it's less than those in the spiritual world. And even then we say that uh, those who are in the spiritual world, we don't, they're not expected to fall. What's that, please? Oh. Well, I guess, yeah, you can say those who are in the spiritual world, they are part of the Shakti Tantra. But if they fall down, then they're then their fallibility is, perce- is perceived. Just like we say, there's no difference between Nitya Siddha, Sadhana Siddha, and Kripa Siddha. If you're in the Siddha Avasta, if you're in the perfect position, you're perfect. But uh, there is also some statement when uh, it stated that uh, stated that Radharani is not different from Krishna, and it is also stated in some places that there are uh, certain devotees like uh, Nanda and uh, Shodamaya and uh, some uh, uh, devotees which are exemplifying particular rasa with Krishna, and it is stated that those devotees they are direct expansions of Krishna, and they are not, uh, they are not Jews. Yeah. Well, I think what I just said covers them. Isn't it? Guru was talking that we are all shakti. That's how we can explain what means individual. What individual? Person. Because person possesses energy. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, but... Well, if, even if you study energy in modern physics, you'll find that energy is made up of so many particles whether it's light or electricity or whatever. So it appears to be homogeneous, but actually it's made up of particles. It is homogeneous. No, homogeneous? Yeah. You have the same word. So it appears to be homogeneous, and it is, 
But then if you examine more closely, you'll find that it's also made up of individual particles. So how we can define what is individual? You can only define individual in, in terms of its relation with other things. Isn't it? If we say there's nothing so unique that it can be defined without reference to other things, that's an, another... Uh, see, in Madhvalain they say the Lord is co completely unique and he's completely different. But if he's completely different, then you, you can't even believe... You can't even begin to conceive of him. So there's relationship and independence, interdependence. The Lord is also in one sense dependent on, on his devotees. The king has his kingdom. There's no meaning to the king without his kingdom. So he's supreme, but what's the meaning to him being God and the supreme controller if there's no, if there's no one in if he has no relationship, if he's the supreme controller, that means there are things he controls. That means he has a relationship with him. So, so when we say independent, that doesn't mean that he has no relationship with other things. That means that in the relationship of interdependence, he has a high degree of independence. But not total. We say the Supreme Lord has, he has total independence. And that's true. But at the same time, his independence is manifested through his energies. His independence is manifested through his energies, not that he's in independent of his energies. That's the difference. But if you acknowledge Krishna or also, you have different and one who possesses energy, who is it? Well, how we can define that? Therefore, Shakti, Shakti, Matora, Veda, Vedanta Sutra says. There's no difference between the Shakti and the possessor of the Shakti. And therefore, it's said that without Radha, there's no Krishna. Krishna is meaningless without Radha. Krishna has no desire to exist. As such, by the strength of their devotional service, austerities, mystic power, and transcendental knowledge, their movements are unrestricted within and beyond the material worlds. The fruitive workers or the gross materialists can never move in such an unrestricted manner. Report. The materialistic scientists endeavor to reach other planets by mechanical vehicles is only a futile attempt. One can, however, reach heavenly planets by virtuous activities, but one can never expect to go beyond Swarga or Janaloka by such mechanical or materialistic activities, either gross or subtle. The transcendentalists, who have nothing to do with the gross material body, can move anywhere within or beyond the material worlds. Within the material worlds, they move in the planetary systems of the Mahar, Janas, Tapas, and Satyaloka, and beyond the material worlds, they can move in the Vaikuntas, 
as unrestricted spacemen. Narad Muni is one of the examples of such spacemen, and Durvasa Muni is one of such mystics. By the strength of devotional service, austerities, mystic powers, and transcendental knowledge, everyone can move like Narad Muni or Durvasa Muni. It is said that Durvasa Muni traveled throughout the entirety of material space and part of spiritual space within one year only. The speed of the transcendentalists can never be attained by the gross or subtle materialists. material universe. But she only does so according to the desire of Govinda. So she's also controlled. The controller of the material energy is also controlled. But she is controlled by Ichana Rupam, she works according to the desire of Govinda. So she's controlled like that. She's controlled by being a faithful servant. Not that Govinda is constantly beating her. She's constantly beating everyone else because they don't want to surrender to Krishna. But she herself is a faithful servant and therefore she acts according to the desire of Govinda. So within material nature, there is tremendous potency. All the planets are moving. There are certain... Sometimes if we see the actions of material nature, it seems we just stand in awe. It's so impressive. If you, if you stand in the Himalayas and just look and see mighty hills, or if you're indoors when there's a cyclone, you're lucky if you're not caught outdoors. If you look and you see the, the tremendous hurricane and blowing down all the trees, and it's extremely powerful, so you become impressed. But this is only a tiny exhibition of the power of material nature, and there's actually so much trem- latent power that yogis, they practice to tap that power. Just like there are methods of, there, there's electricity latent, in material nature. So there are methods to tap that and using that you can do amazing things. Or atomic power, that's latent. One has to know how to take that out and then just by breaking the atom so much. Energy is released. So similarly there are different kinds of mystic or subtle powers which are latent within the universe and there are methods to tap that power and use it. Like Kundalini Yoga one can gradually awaken or enliven the different chakras within the body and then he can, there's so many different powers he gets. And just like to someone living in the jungle who never saw such things, someone who has some electric appliances, it seems to be some kind of demigod or so among, the, among those who, among the city dwellers, it's just an ordinary thing, you turn the light on, you don't think I'm such a great person. I turn the light on. For them it's ordinary. They're just, they know the method to take advantage of the power which is there. 
I remember in Bangladesh saying sometimes we used to bring young boys from the villages. They would come to our ashram in the city. And sometimes they'd be opening because the door opens with this handle. So they never saw such a thing. They'd open it and close it and then turn the light on and off. And amazed, you see, oh, the light is coming on and off. They never saw such a thing. And they're amazed because they never saw it. So similarly, if we see mystic powers, we're amazed. <coughs> How wonderful. But there are a whole planet, there are whole planets, of it, especially the Siddha Loka. Anyone who is born there is born with such mystic powers. They automatically have such mystic powers. They can travel anywhere within the universe. They can understand people's minds. Travel anywhere within the universe means they don't need a space rocket. Just by their design, they can go here and there. So, we're amazed. But, to, we're amazed to hear of such things. But we see here on this planet, there are living beings who have powers that to us would seem mystic. The bird flies in the sky. We can't do that. The bird is born with such a power to fly in the sky. We can't do that. Sometimes people used to try to imitate the people that used to make wings with their hands and jump off and flap and then, and then be smashed after jumping off from the hill. They're trying to fly with some wings. But the bird does it we go in the water, they, now they have these diving suits and they have oxygen tanks on their back. But the fish swims automatically since he's born. He swims like that. Prabhupada used to comment that uh, people will pay money to watch a man go on a stage and bark like a dog. And they'll clap him. Oh, it's just perfectly. Some people, they, they make money by imitating the sounds of different animals, dogs, donkeys, different animals. And, oh, wonderful, how he sounds exactly like a dog. But the dog, just, they bark anyway. No one pays them for that. Because they have that innate ability to bark like a dog, because they're born in the body of a dog. Whereas most human beings don't have that ability. And it's considered some kind of achievement if one can bark exactly like a dog. Actually, Prabhupada was quite good at imitating. He used to imitate so many different sounds in the course of making some point. So, according to one's birth, one gets different abilities and inclinations, just like the hog is born with the ability or is born with the inclination to eat stool and also the ability to digest it, whereas human beings are not. Even if you ate it, you couldn't digest it very well. I'm not really sure, but you'll probably get quite sick by eating that. Probably vomit, I mean, I don't even like to think about it, it's so horrible. The different beings get uh, different abilities and one who is uh, Pious in various ways, they can get mystic abilities from their birth. And sometimes such persons, they have, because of some pious activities, some yogic, yogic practice, actually not even necessarily piety, but they, because they perform some austerities. Like Hiranyakashipu, he performed austerities. 
that he got mystic powers. He wasn't pious in the sense that he was good-natured. But performing austerity is the method to get some power from material nature. One gets certain powers. We can. There's so many different things. We used to find, when we were distributing books in, in Britain, myself and another devotee, and the other devotee more than me, but we'd meet people and we'd just tell them everything about them, which country they're from, and which job they do, and how long they've been in London, and just tell them everything. They're just amazed. Somehow by meeting, just immediately you can just speak and you know it's true. For some time we, we had some kind of mystic ability like that, and then just buy the book. <laughs> how do you know? Said, well, I read this book, we want you to buy one. Said, okay. Somehow, that was just coming automatically. Some automatically means the super soul was prompted. That could be called mystic ability. So there are methods to awaken that those mystic powers, especially performing austerities in prescribed manner. One gets some power, but that power, when we get it, we tend to think it's my. I'm now. I'm powerful. Just like anything else, if you, if you get money, you think, it's my money. You marry and you think, it's my wife. Everyone tends to think, it's mine. If you get some power, you tend to think, it's mine also. Not understanding that actually everything comes from Krishna. Krishna gives and Krishna takes away. And if we get a tiny little power, then we think, oh, it's so good. I'm so powerful, I'm so wonderful. Now it's interesting to note talking about the Yogishwaras. There's two words, Yogishwara and Yogeshwara. Yogishwara means the master of yogis, and Yogeshwara means the master of yoga. It's similar. So among them, Durvasa Muni is famous. But this story of Durvasa Muni that comes in the ninth canto of Bhagavatam, how he, by his mystic power, he wanted to destroy Ambarish Maharaj, but how Ambarish Maharaj was defeated, sorry, how he was defeated by Ambarish Maharaj, is very instructive. Because Durvasa Muni was a powerful yogi, very powerful. And Ambarish Maharaj, he performed austerities, but of observing Ekadashi. But after all, it's what you might call a very ordinary austerity. Nowadays, in Iskon, if someone observes Ekadashi by fasting completely even from water, people think that's, that's pretty uh, austere. But actually, traditionally, many people used to follow this. A very normal thing. We're not, we're not accustomed. If you're, if you're from birth, if we perform these things, then we can do. Otherwise, it becomes difficult later in life to adopt such things. Of course, people's bodies used to be much stronger too because they didn't have so many material comforts. So Ambarish Maharaj performed some austerities, but Durvasa Muni, he. Uh, well, I'll just destroy him. He 
you couldn't imagine that there would be such a reaction for trying to do so. Because, after all, you see, Yodasamuni was a brahmana, an ascetic, a yogi, whereas Ambarish Maharaj was a kshatriya, and apparently a vishayi, an enjoyer of this material world, because he was a king. And he didn't have, wasn't performing great austerities or any such thing. He wasn't. Apparently, in the same on the same platform as Devasamuni, but sometimes we hear about people fighting each other with mystic weapons. So Devasamuni sent this by his mystic potency. He made a demon to destroy Ambarish Maharaj. But Ambarish Maharaj, he didn't even try to counteract the demon. He just stood there. But he defeated Devasamuni. He didn't try to invoke mystic power. He didn't even try to do anything to defend himself. But he defeated Durvasamuni because Krishna protected him. So he wasn't personally very interested in having mystic powers or in exhibiting them. And he probably didn't even appear to have any such mystic powers. But he was seen to be more powerful than Durvasamuni because he was protected by Krishna. It's also seen that when Ambarish Maharaj was attacked with the threat of his life, he wasn't afraid. Whereas when the same thing happened to Durvasamuni, he became greatly afraid. So although it appeared that Durvasamuni was a great yogi and Ambarish Maharaj was a great sense enjoyer, actually it's seen that Durvasamuni was more in, less in control of his senses than Ambarish Maharaj because he was afraid. He was afraid of death. So here the word Yogeshwaranam, Prabhupada is translated the great saints and devotees. So that's actually the fact. Sometimes people they criticize that Prabhupada's purports, the uh, translation is somewhat biased. Whenever there's yoga, Prabhupada usually writes devotional service. But actually that's the fact. Ultimately yoga means bhakti. And here it's described that the yogi, the, the yogishwaras, or the yogishwaras, they attain to the, they, they can go anywhere within the creation freely and even beyond. And this power that particularly refers to great Siddha yogis like Narad Muni who can go anywhere in the spiritual world and the material world. Even Durvasamuni was allowed to go to the spiritual world. He entered the Shvetadvip, the planet of Lord Vishnu, within this material world. He was allowed to enter. But usually you see if a Brahmin comes to a king or a great personality, if he comes and requests something, he will be given it. So he came and he requested protection from Lord Vishnu, but he was refused. He said, Vishnu, Lord Vishnu told Durvasamuni that what you are asking for, it is not possible for me to give you. You are asking me to withdraw the Sudarshan Chakra, you ask me to protect you, but it is not within my power to do so. Even though I am all-powerful, 
and this weapon is only sent by me, it is not within my power to withdraw it, because there is a greater power than my power, which you have not understood. You are thinking you are very powerful. Now you're coming and begging from me, which means that you accept that I'm more powerful than you, and generally it's understood that I am the most powerful. But, one point you should understand is that there's one thing which is more powerful than me, that I am controlled by the love of my devotees. Aham bhakta parad vino, nahiya svatantra irvya He says that I told her I'm not independent, I am under the I'm under the control of my devotees. I'm dependent upon my devotees. So in this way he was telling that actually Ambarish Maharaj is more powerful than me because by his devotion to me, he has controlled me. By your austerities or whatever it may be, you have got some power. You've been given some power by me. But my devotees, by their devotional service, they don't take anything from me. But because of that devotion, I give myself to them. Fully. So Yogeshwara means the great devotees who can travel anywhere and do anything. They're given full freedom. They're given that full freedom by the Lord because they know they won't misuse it. Whereas a demon, if he has some power, he always misuses it, creates havoc. Because the demon's nature is very envious. He takes pleasure in giving pain to others. So the, the little bit of power that the non-devotees have it's always inauspicious. They're always inflicting miseries upon each other. And they want, one demon wants to show he's more powerful than the other. And this way they simply inflict miseries on each other by trying to show that each one is greater than the other. And from time to time, the Lord comes and just says, Okay, just you know, stop. Hiranyakashipu, extremely powerful, and then the Lord came and said, All right, now, little children... Hiranyakashipu, childish Hiranyakashipu, you want to show like a child, I'm so greater than others, now it's time for you to stop. Now you have to realize I'm, I'm in charge here, not you. Just like the children may be playing, and they get carried away, and when one starts to beat the other, and then the father comes and says, hey, stop all this. And then one child who's dominating the other, in the presence of the father, oh, now we have to recognize the Supreme Lord. So in this way, the Supreme Lord controls those who are ajitatma, those who are of uncontrolled senses. But uh, just like that same example, if there's a well-behaved, responsible child, the father will give full freedom. All right. Trust him. Okay, go here. You can, you can do it. Can I do this? Yes, yes. He gives him freedom to act because he knows that he won't misuse that. Therefore, he's given independence to move anywhere. But when the devotees, they go here and there, what do they do? They don't misuse that facility, but they simply broadcast the glories of the Lord everywhere. For that reason, they're given the freedom to go everywhere. Narad Muni goes everywhere, and wherever he goes, 
simply broadcast the glories of the Lord. Narad Muni Bajandina Radhika Lamarana. That song about the Nautaka song. Narad Muni simply travels throughout the universe and plays his Dina and chants the name of the Lord. And all the demigods, they become ecstatic to hear the Lord. So this is the freedom of the that he's not interested in in acquiring personal power and declaring himself very great. But he's simply interested in pleasing Krishna, and thus Krishna gives him facility to do so. We see that uh, in our movement also, sannyasis, it's, it's not that someone's supposed to tell them, now you do this, now you do that. They have some freedom because it's understood that you, you they have the freedom to travel and make their own program because it's understood. They're supposed to use that freedom for glorifying Krishna. They're not expected to misuse that. So Brahmana, he has independence. He's not in, in traditional Vedic society, he's not under the king. He's not subject to the laws of the king. God the king will come and bow his head at the Brahmana's feet. Of course, if the Brahmana misbehaves, then the king may punish him. But generally it's understood they won't. Even the punishment to a Brahmana has to be very careful how they do that. The Kshatriya should also see that the Brahmana is properly engaged in his duty. But generally it's understood that he is doing so. He's performing activities for the welfare of society. He's given independence. That independence given independence means because it's understood he won't misuse it. He's a responsible person. So when it's said that a devotee gets freedom, that's not the kind of freedom that the hippies used to talk about in the 1960s and 70s. That we want freedom. The hippies in America and Europe, they wanted the freedom to have free sex, take drugs. This is, this is why Shudras, their tradition, not given freedom. People think they're kept as slaves. Well, to some extent it's true. They were like slaves. Actually, there's no word for slave in Sanskrit. There's the word Shudra, which implies a similar thing, but not exactly. The word they use in Hindi is Gulam, which is an Arabic or Persian word. There's no such word. There's no word in, in these languages for divorce. They made up some word, Vivaha Vichet. But there's no such thing, because traditionally there's no such thing as breaking a marriage. Which is, otherwise they use the, uh, the Muslim word, Talak. Otherwise there's no such word. There's no such thing. And so Shudra, they are... They're... Not exactly like slaves, because slave means they're mistreated, but they're, they're kept under control like children, because they, children, they don't know how, they're not trained how to act for their own benefit properly. And shudras are, to a large extent, untrainable. So if you give them freedom, they'll drink, they'll, they'll spend money on all sinful activities. And we practically see that now. There are so many people, that you see, they're working on some construction, they get paid at the end of the day, and it, it's gone. It's all gone in drinking. They have a family, and the family, 
How they go on? Well, the mother is also working, carrying bricks on the building site. And from her mother, the kids are running around. And somehow they're surviving. That's a normal thing. And then we have the Brahmins who are so proud of being Brahmins. But they're also drunkards. So in so not all of them, but in many cases. That means they're also actually shudras. They may be proud, they'll they'll tell the name of their gotra and all this kind of thing. But they're also shudras because they're ajitendriya. Their senses are not controlled. They get money, they simply spoil it. So therefore such people should be they should be controlled for their own good. People in the modern age, they can't understand this. They think everyone should be given the freedom, everyone's equal, everyone should have freedom of choice. But in Vedic society, that is not admitted. It's not this foolish idea, United Nations, Charter of Human Rights, everyone is equal. It's, it's obviously not true. It's, everyone is not equal. Everyone is not of the same intelligence. Everyone has different abilities. So, shooters, they should be controlled for their own benefit, but they should be controlled not by tyrants, but by people who are interested in their benefit, who are themselves, who are not in the exploitive mood. There's so many things to understand. Modern society, there's so much misguided, wrong ideas. From beginning to end, top to bottom, inside out, so many wrong ideas. Therefore, we're distributing these books to give some right idea. But practically, we're seeing that along with the books, there have to be devotees who are preaching the message which is in the book. Otherwise, what happens, even if you distribute the books, then within the society of devotees, if we don't have devotees who are clearly speaking what's in the book, that means they're speaking something else. And then people get all the wrong idea, just like in Croatia at the present time. There are plenty of Prabhupada's books distributed. And there, are plenty, there are plenty of people who are attracted to our Krishna conscious movement by reading the books and seeing the devotees chanting, but then they get their heads filled up with all kinds of nonsense ideas because the people who are supposed to be representing the knowledge given by Prabhupada are actually representing something else. They may take a few ideas from Prabhupada's books that they like and mix it up. Some eclectic mix. Today's kitchen. Today, one day there's a little more salt, another day a little less, one day more spices, one day different. Now, now this vegetable is in season, so like that. So sometimes someone else cooks the kitchen a little bit different to others. Someone used more rice, someone else more. So in the same way, Different people come and they give a little bit of this and a little bit more of that and now this idea is in fashion just like some vegetables in season so they'll preach this one more and you know it's all kitchen so it's all wonderful I, I like kitchen like this a little bit more and you like it like that but after all we're all eating kitchen but that's not the message that Prabhupada came to give so unless there are people speaking that then and living that then the effect of distributing the books won't be what it should be. So there have to be people who lick the books. That also, you know, we have these rhythmic bodies who say, well, you know, you just have to read the books and then, you know, Prabhupada's your guru and that's it, finished. You don't need any other guru. But practically we see that it does make a lot of difference if people 
Just like, for instance, the uh, many followers of Hari Kesh.